Good afternoon. This is Pamela, and you're listening to Watchmen on the Pod. We are, and I know you're going to think, oh, why? But this is needful. I'm going to begin a new book. I've not forgotten the other books. The other books are extremely important. And what I believe the Holy Spirit is having me do or working through me in order to do is to piece all this together. These are puzzle pieces, so to speak, I guess you want to say. Each little bit has the truth and we're going to piece them together. Um, I'm going to continue later on today to read another chapter in um, 50 Years in the Church of Rome by Charles Chinaquai. We've only got two chapters left in that book after I get these other two uploaded, which is working on it now. And also, I will be continuing to read from David Nikhil Wilcoxon's book, and that is The Revelation Timeline Decoded. And I am beginning now to read from the book, The Secret Terrorist by Bill Hughes. And there's also another book that I just got, and that was from, um, oh, Henry Grayton Guinness. And I want to begin to read from that as well. I can't say we'll start that today, but as I said, this all is the same basic subject matter showing us what is happening that, you know, many of us are totally unaware of. And, you know, God wrote in his word or had it written in his word that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Now, the thing is, it's not that the knowledge is not out there. Sadly, we have become very lazy and we want people to do the research for us and to feed us what they have already eaten. Basically, like a mama bird will regurgitate the food in order to feed her babies. It's gross, but that's how it is. And that's what a lot of people are doing today. They're going to these um, church buildings and they're just eating what the pastor is giving forth or the teacher is giving forth or the youth group leader is giving forth. And they don't know if it's true or not. And that is really sad. And then a lot of these churches also, they will have the scripture verses on a great big screen and people don't even open their Bibles anymore to compare it, to make sure it really is in the Bible, that it really says what they're posting. They have no idea. They're just accepting these things. That is not what God intended for his, his children. That is not what he's intended for the bride. The bride is to open up the word of God, to know the word of God for themselves, not not to go out there and just listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, whoever decides to say, thus saith the Lord. Absolutely not. We are to study the word of God for ourselves. No, you don't go about studying, you know, conspiracy theorists or, you know, what the devil's doing here and what the devil's doing there. You need to know the truth and to love the truth and the truth will set you free but if you don't know the truth you can be fed a whole bunch of lies but if you know the truth if you know the word of God because you have been in the word of God yourself when something false comes along anything down the pipe you're going to recognize that's not of God 
that's not in the word of God. That I rebuke and bind in the name of Jesus. Because whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever I let loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that right there is the truth of God. You need to know the word for yourself. So I'm going to get off that little soapbox there and get back down here. And we are going to start to read. In this book, it is written by Bill Hughes is his name. And it is called The Secret Terrorist. All right, I'm going to read, and I'm, it just jumps right into chapter one. It is from Truth Triumph Ministries, All Rights Reserved, chapter one, Target America. The United States must soon face the most deadly enemy it will ever have to face. This enemy is not only the usual military enemy, but it has the organization and the capability for massive espionage and clandestine operations within the United States. It uses a facade that is virtually perfect to hide its operations. In fact, right now, this enemy is working secretly to undermine the principles that made this country the greatest nation in the world. This enemy has infiltrated the highest levels and departments of the United States government and poses an extreme danger to America. Let us look at a little history and understand the method this enemy has used in the past and how it is secretly working today. Europe was finally at rest. The Napoleonic Wars were now over, having lasted nearly 20 years. The brilliant and crafty Napoleon had spread Europe with the blood of her noblest sons. At long last, there was council in Vienna, Austria in 1814. This council has come to be known as the Congress of Vienna. The Congress continued its proceedings for one year, ending in 1815. The Congress of Vienna, I'm going to have to expand this a little bit because I can't see. <laughs> the Congress of Vienna was a black, cons let's see, oh keep getting ads. I'm sorry. The Congress of Vienna was a black conspiracy against popular governments at which the high contracting parties announced at its close that they had formed a holy alliance. This was a cloak under which they masked to deceive the people. The particular business of the Congress of Vienna it developed was the ratification of Article 6 of the Congress of Vienna, which was, in short, a promise to prevent or destroy popular governments wherever found and to reestablish monarchy where it had been set aside. The high contracting parties of this compact, which were Russia, Prussia, Germany, Austria, and Pope Pius VII, King Burke McCarty. The suppressed truth about the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, Aravarta Publishing, 1924, page 7. And we read that, remember, in Charles Chinaquai's book, 50 Years in the Church of Rome. We read where before Abraham Lincoln became president, he was a very well-learned lawyer. I mean, he was very good, and he was employed by Charles Chinaquai in order to defend him against all of the wickedness that was happening in the church against him. And he won. Praise God. Okay, according to McCarty, the Congress of Vienna formed the Holy Alliance, whose primary goal was the destruction of all popular governments. 
Popular governments are those where the government allows its subjects to enjoy certain inalienable rights. Can you think of any popular governments that were establishing themselves in the world and granting their citizens certain inalienable rights around the year 1815? Senator Robert L. Owen placed in the Congressional Record of April 25, 1916, the following statement, which shows clearly he thought the primary target of the Holy Alliance was the United States. The Holy Alliance, having destroyed popular government in Spain and in Italy, had well laid plans also to destroy popular government in the American colonies, which had revolted from Spain and Portugal in Central and South America, under the influence of the successful examples of the United States. It was because of this conspiracy against the American republics by the European monarchies that the great English statesman Canning called the attention of our government to it. Page 9 and 10. Senator Owen understood from the Congress of Vienna that the United Monarchies of Europe would seek to destroy the great American republic and its blood-bought freedoms. Senator Owen was not the only one who knew about this conspiracy against American freedom and the Constitution. In 1894, R.W. Thompson, American Secretary of the Navy, wrote, The sovereigns of the Holy Alliance had massed large armies and soon entered into a pledge to devote them to the suppression of all uprisings of the people in favor of free governments. And he... Pope Pius VII, desired to devote the Jesuits, supported by his pontifical power, to the accomplishment of that end. He knew how faithfully they would apply themselves to that work, and hence he observed the useful advices and salutary counsels whereby the Loya had made absolution and the cornerstone of the society. R.W. Thompson, The Footprints of the Jesuits, Hunt and Eaton, 1894, page 251. Now remember, in the book that we had read, and I've not finished it, but the book that we had read of uh, Edmund Paris's, and it's the Secret Society of the Jesuits, or something like that, to that point. Hold on one minute, I have got a phone call. I'll be right back. Okay, sorry for that interruption. I am back. Here we go. Okay, so anyway, we had read in that book where Laloya, the one that, you know, created or whatever you want to call this Jesuit society and stuff, on how he had made his way into the Roman church and basically became their guardian. I don't know how else you want to put it. It's just, it's very, very crazy. But anyway... That's in the um, videos of Edmund Paris that I have read. Okay. Thompson pinpointed exactly who would be the agents used by the monarchs of Europe to destroy the Republic of America, namely the Jesuits of Rome. Since 1815, there has been a continual assault on America by the Jesuits to try to destroy the constitutional rights of this great nation. The famous inventor of the Morris Code, Samuel B. Morris, also wrote of the sinister plot against the United States. Now, remember also, in China, we have just um, read about this Samuel Morris also. 
I did not realize that he invented the Morse code. I think that's very cool. I didn't know that. Anyway, the author undertakes to show that a conspiracy against the liberties of this republic is now in full action under the direction of the wily prince Matarik of Austria, who, knowing the impossibility of obliterating this troublesome example of a great and free nation by force of arms, is attempting to accomplish this object through the agency of an army of Jesuits. The array, the army of the, the array of facts and the arguments going to prove the existence of such a conspiracy will astonish any man who opens the book with the same incredulity as we did. Samuel B. Morris, Foreign Conspiracy Against the Liberties of the United States, Crocker and Brewster, 1835, and that was in the piece of that book. The, the array of books written that detail the sinister plots of the Congress of Vienna and the Jesuits against the American Republic are numerous. That this conspiracy has raged since 1815 in a fact of history. We will show that this conspiracy is in full force today and that it is the reason America the America is having so many problems at the present time and is so close to losing her freedoms. Most people know very little about the Pope's Je Jesuits. The reason for this is that they are very secretive society. In order to understand what the order of the Jesuits is, please consider the following quotation. Throughout Christendom, Protestantism was menaced by formidable foes. The first triumphs of the Reformation passed, Rome summoned new forces, hoping to accomplish its destruction. All this time, the order of the Jesuits was created, the most cruel, unscrupulous, and powerful of all the champions of popery. Cut off from the earthly ties and human interests, dead to the claims of natural affection, reason, and conscience, holy silence, they knew no rule, no tie, but that of their order, and no duty but to extend its power. The gospel of Christ had enabled its adherence, enabled its adherence to meet danger and endure suffering, undismayed by cold, hunger, toil, and poverty to build up the banner of truth in face of the rack, the dungeon, and the stake. To combat these forces, Jesuitism inspired its followers with a fanaticism that enabled them to endure like, like dangers and to oppose to the power of truth all the weapons of deception. There was no crime too great for them to commit, no deception too base for them to practice. No disguise too difficult for them to assume. Vowed to perpetual poverty and humility. It was their studied aim to secure wealth and power to be devoted to the overthrow of Protestantism and the reestablishment of the papal supremacy. When appearing as members of their order, they wore a garb of sanctity visiting prisons and hospitals, ministering to the sick and the poor, professing to have renounced the world and bearing the sacred name of Jesus, who went about doing good. But under this blameless exterior, the most criminal and deadly proposes were often, hold on, 
were often concealed. It was a fundamental principle of the order that the end justifies the means. By this code, lying, theft, perjury, assassination were not only pardonable, but commendable when they served the interest of the church. Under various disguises, the Jesuits worked their way into office of state, climbing up to be the counselors of kings and shaping the policies of nations. They became servants to act as spies and upon their masters. And as back to spies upon their masters. They established colleges for the sons of princes and nobles and schools for the common people. And the children of Protestant parents were drawn into an observance of popish rites. All the outward pomp and display of the Romanish worship was brought to bear to confuse the mind and dazzle the captive, the imagination, and thus the liberty for which the fathers had toiled and bled was betrayed by the sons. The Jesuits rapidly spread themselves over Europe and wherever they went, there followed a revival of popery. And that was from E. G. White, The Great Conspiracy, page 234 and 35, Pacific Press Publishings, 1911. The Jesuits function like the papacy's secret worldwide policy. They are very secretive and go to great lengths to keep their operations secret. They tell no one that they are Jesuits. To all outside appearances, they appear as normal people. One last author will be cited here. They are Jesuits, the Society of Men. After exerting their tyranny for upwards or 200 years, at length became so formidable to the world, threatening the entire subversion of subjects they are and must be by the vow of their society, was compelled to dissolve them. Pope Clement suppressed the Jesuit order in 1773. They had been not been suppressed, however, for 50 years before the warning influence of popery and despotism required their useful labors to resist the light of democratic liberty. And the Pope, Pius VII, simultaneously with the formation of the Holy Alliance, 1815, revived the order of the Jesuit in all their power. And do Americans need to be told what Jesuits are? They are a secret society, a sort of Masonic order with super added features of revolting audaciousness, audaciousness or something like that, and a thousand times more dangerous. They are not merely priests or of one religious creed. They are merchants and lawyers, editors and men of any profession, having no outward bandage by which to be recognized. They are about in all your society. They can assume any character, that of angels of light or ministers of darkness, to accomplish their one great end. They are all educated men, prepared and sworn to start at any moment and in any direction for any service commanded by the general of their order. Bound by no family, community, or country, by the ordinary ties which bind men, and sold for life to the cause of the Roman pontiff. J. Wayne Lawrence, The Crisis in America or the Enemies of America, Unmasked. G.D. Miller, 1855, pages 265 through 267. Ignatius Loyola founded the Jesuit order in the 
in the 1540s. Its position in the Roman Catholic Church was solidified during the Council of Trent, which ran from 1546 to 1563. The Council of Trent was conveyed with one great goal in mind, how to stop the Protestant Reformation. The Reformation began in 1517 when Martin Luther, the fearless German friar, nailed 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg Chapel. These theses challenged, among other things, the heinous doctrine of indulgences taught by Rome that declared a man could save himself and loved ones by dropping enough coins into the Catholic Church's coffers. Luther's great teachings that the Bible only is the standard for all doctrine and practice and that a person is justified before God through faith in Jesus Christ alone sent thrills through the hearts of thousands throughout Europe and shockwaves through the halls of the Vatican. Thus, the Council of Trent was conveyed to counter the Reformation. Hence, it is known as the Counter-Reformation, and the Jesuits would be the chief tools of Rome to undo and destroy every trace of Protestantism wherever it was found. America's two greatest documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, are filled with Protestant declarations that are absolutely intolerable to the Jesuits of Rome. Does it surprise you that the Vatican condemns the founding documents of the United States? The Vatican condemned the Declaration of Independence as wickedness and called the Constitution of the United States a satanic document. Evro, Manhattan, The Dollar, and the Vatican, Ozark Book Publishers, 1988, page 26. Here is part of the Jesuit oath. I do further promise and declare that I will have no opinion or will of my own or any mental reservation, whatever, even as a corpse or cadaver, but will unhastingly obey each and every command that I may receive from my superiors in the militia of the Pope. I furthermore promise and declare that I will, when opportunity presents, make and wage relentless war, secretly or openly, against all heretics, Protestants, and liberals, as I am directed to do, to exasperate and exterminate them from the face of the whole earth, and that I will spare neither age, sex, or condition, that I will hang, bury, waste, boil, lay, strangle, and bury alive these infamous heretics, rip up the stomachs and the wombs of their women, and crush their infants' heads against the walls, in order to annihilate forever their execrable race, that when the same cannot be done openly, I will secretly use the poison cup, the strangulating cord, the steel of the ponard or the leader bullet, regardless of the honor, rank, dignity, or authority of the person or persons, whatever may be conditioned in life, either public or private, as I am at any time may be directed to do so by any agent of the Pope or superior of the Brotherhood of the Holy Faith of the Society of Jesus. Edward A. Sherman, the engineer corps of hell or Rome's sappers and miners, private subscription, 1883, pages 118 through 124. To think that a person would concur with such an abominable oath defies reason. One could not even imagine a more despicable oath. The word heretic in the above quote refers to anyone who disagrees 
with the Pope. And if you go back in the archives, you will see where I have posted on the website, and I'm not positive if I read it on YouTube or not, but the entire oath from the Jesuits, it is absolutely wickedness, utter wickedness. And you cannot tell who these people are. I believe that there are so many within America, within the churches, within the government, but we know that we now have a president who is a Jesuit, a Roman Catholic Jesuit. We know that now. Think about it. Let's continue. In a letter from John Adams to then-President Thomas Jefferson about the Jesuits, we read, Shall we not have regular swarms of them here, in as many disguises as only a king of the gypsies can assume, dressed as painters, publishers, writers, schoolmasters? If ever there was a body of men who merited eternal damnation on earth and hell, it is this society of the lawyers, the Jesuits. George Reamer, the New Jesuits, Little Brown Company, 1971, page 14. Napoleon Bonaparte made this statement. The Jesuits are a military organization, not a religious organ order. Their chief is a general of an army, not the mere father abbot of a monastery. And the aim of this organization is power. Power in its most despotic exercise, absolute power, universal power, power to control the world by the violation and sing of a single man. Jesuitism is the most absolute of despotism and at the same time the greatest and most enormous of abuses. The general of the Jesuits insists on being master, sovereign over the sovereign. Wherever the Jesuits are, Admitted, they will be masters, cost what it may. Their society is by nature diabolical or dictatorial, and therefore it is the irrecon irreconcilable enemy of all constituted authority. Every act, every crime, however atrocious, is a meritorious work. It if committed for the interest of the Society of Jesuits or by the order of the general. General Monathlon, Memorial of the Captivity of Napoleon of Napoleon at St. Helena, pages 62 and 174. There was no disguise they could not assume, and therefore there was no place into which they could not penetrate. They could enter unheard, of the closet of the monarch or the cabinet of the statesmen. They could sit unseen in convocation or general assembly and mingle unsuspected in the deliberations and debates. There was no tongue they could not speak and no creed they could not profess. And thus there was no people among whom they might not sojourn and no church whose membership they might not enter and whole functions they might not discharge. They could ex execrate the Pope with the Lutheran and swear the solemn league with the Coventer, J.A. Wiley, The History of Protestantism, Volume 2, page 412, quoted by Sidney Hunter, is Alberto for real, Chick Publishings, page 13. 
In the light of these statements, several questions arise. Since the Jesuits began a direct assault on America in 1815 and nothing stands in their way, then are the policies carried out today in America under the control of this despot of Rome? Have the assassinations of certain presidents like Abraham Lincoln, William McKinley, James Garfield and William Henry Harrison been Jesuit inspired? Have the atrocities like Waco, Oklahoma City, and the destruction of the Twin Towers in New York City been planned behind the walls of the Vatican? What about our precious Constitution and the Bill of Rights that have come under such unrelenting attack in the past few decades? Is this the ultimate prize of the Jesuits to annihilate our precious freedoms and that were purchased at so great a cost? Following chapters will an analyze some of these very sobering questions. As if the Congress of Vienna was not clear enough as to the objectives of the European monarchs and the Jesuit order, there were two more Congresses that were conveyed. The first of these was held at Verona in 1822. During this Congress, it was decided that America would be the target of Jesuit emissaries and that America was to be destroyed at all costs. Every principle of the Constitution was to be dissolved and new Jesuitical principles were to be put into place in order to exalt the papacy to dominion in America. The other meeting was held in Shuri, Italy in 1825. Here is what was decided there. In 1825, some 11 years after the revival of the Jesuit order, a secret meeting of leading Jesuits was held at their college at Chirri near Turin in northern Italy. At that gathering, plans were discussed for the advancement of papal power worldwide, for the destabilization of governments who stood in their way, and for the crushing of all opposition to Jesuit schemes and ambitions. What we aim all is the, is the empire of the world. We must give them, the great men of earth, to understand that the cause of evil, the bad leaven, will remain as long as the Protestantism shall exist. That Protestants must therefore be utterly abolished. Heretics are the enemies that we are bound to exterminate. Then the Bible that serpent which with head erect and eyes flashing, threatens us with its venom, while its trail along the ground shall be changed into a rod as soon as we are able to seize it. Hector McPherson, The Jesuits in History, Ozark Book Publishers, 1997 Appendix. The goal of Cherie is clear. Destroy Protestants at any cost and restore the temporal power of the papacy worldwide. As we watch John Paul II traversing the globe and being accepted worldwide as the man of peace, we can see how well the Jesuit plan instituted at Cherie is working. These three meetings at Vienna, Verona, and Cherie were held with as much secrecy as possible. However, one man attended the first two meetings that would not be silenced. British Foreign Minister George Canning contacted the U.S. government to warn them that the monarchs of Europe were planning to destroy the free institutions of America. It was because of this conspiracy against the American republics by the European monarchies that the great English statesman Canning called the attention of our government to it, and our statesmen then, including Thomas Jefferson, who was still living at that time, took an active part to bring about the declaration by President Monroe in this 
next annual message to the Congress of the United States that the United States would be regarded as an act of hostility to the government of the United States and an unfriendly act if this coalition or if any power of Europe would ever undertook to establish upon the American continent any control of any American republic or to acquire any territorial rights. This is the so-called Monroe Document the threat under the secret treaty of Verona to suppress popular government in the American republics is the basis of the Monroe document. This secret treaty sets forth clearly the conflict between the monarchical government and the popular government and the government of the few as against the government of the many. Burke McCarty, The Suppressed Truth About the Assassination of Abraham Lincoln, page 10. The Monroe Document was America's response to the Jesuits' con Congress of Vienna and Verona. America would consider it an act of war if any European nation sought colonial expansion in the Western Hemisphere. The Jesuits have been able to secretly to attack and infiltrate America to accomplish exactly what the Monroe Doctrine was stated to protect against. They have been able to get away with it because it was done with the utmost secrecy and under the facade of being a church. I'm going to have to be right back because the dogs are barking. Okay, I am back. I had to take a little break because of the dogs and then just craziness. So here we go. Let us continue. In a letter to President Monroe, Thomas Jefferson made the following observations. The question presented by the letters you have sent to me is the most momentous which has ever been offered to my contemplation since that of independence. That made us a nation. This sets our compass and points the course which we are to steer through the ocean of time opening on us. And never could we embark on it under circumstances more auspicious auspicious. Our first and fundamental maxim should be never to entangle ourselves in the broils of Europe. Our second, never to suffer Europe to intermeddle with, let's see, with cis-Atlantic affairs, America, North and South has set an interest of distinct from those of Europe and partic and peculiarly her own let's see I'm let's see her own she should therefore have a system of her own separate and apart from that of Europe while the last is laboring to become the domicile of des despotism our endeavor should surely be to make our hemisphere that of freedom we must be declaring our protest against the atrocious violations of the rights hold on i don't know why my virus thing keeps coming up hold on one minute Let's see. We must be declaring our protest against the atrocious violations of the right nations by the interference of anyone in the international affairs of another. So flagitiously begun by Bonaparte and now continued by the equally lawless alliance calling itself holy. We will oppose with all of our means the forcible 
into position of any other power. The question now proposed involves consequences so lasting and effects so decisive of our future destinies as to rekindle all the interest I have heretofore felt on such occasions and to induce me to the hazard of opinions which will prove only my wish to contribute to still my might towards anything which might be useful to our country. That was in the archives of Mount Holyoke College. Jefferson saw this as a great crisis in America's young history because of the wily and sinister Jesuits had been ordered to target America's destruction. The Monroe Doctrine challenged any advance on America by Europe. However, Monroe did not really understand that the crafty Jesuits would not initially use the force of arms to gain their objectives. They would use cunning, craftiness, and utmost secrecy. They would appeal to men's basis points. They would plant their agents in positions of wealth and power, and then use their influence to gain their great prize, the subversion uh, and destruction of every Protestant principle as outlined in the Constitution of the United States. Wow. Okay, hold on one minute. I think we are now in chapter two, so I'm going to end that there. All right, brothers and sisters, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. I'm sorry that I messed up a little bit toward the end and stuff. I've got the dogs barking, just these things. I mean, we're still in the process of moving. I believe that I've got to take off and go clean with Nikki and the kids at the other house, unload things. So I'm going to cut it short there. I love you all so very, very much. Search these things out for yourself. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Ask him, seek him for wisdom. Ask him to fill you full of his precious Holy Spirit, afresh and new, because he is our teacher and he knows the end from the beginning. He, he can tell us things to come because that is what he is here for. He's not only our comfort and our peace and our teacher, but he shows us things to come. All right, and he points to Jesus at all times. Praise God. All right, brothers and sisters, keep your eyes on Jesus, your nose in the book, which is the word of God, and embed the word of God upon the tablets of your hearts so you will not sin against God or be deceived. Until next time, keep your eyes on Jesus, brothers and sisters.